Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 90. That's right, we're almost to triple digits of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my little brother, Micah Sin, and we're here to tell you about the most recent week in review, but not SmackDown, not Elimination Chamber. That was episode 89. We're going to tell you about AEW Dynamite and Monday Night Raw. Yes, we're going to enjoy at least half of this show. That's correct. Honestly, sometimes it's more fun to talk about something I don't enjoy it because is. that that impassioned, frustrated voice and, and I don't know. I just that's why the people tune in. It's terrible. I know. Like I hate to admit it because I'm I'm a generally positive person, but my gosh, whenever I talk about WWE, I feel like all that positivity is just gone and it just leaves. Although I did enjoy the Elimination Chamber, and you guys didn't, so it's true. Before we We're get started, less positive than you. We we are going to talk about this day in wrestling history. Right. Today is March 11th, 2020, and 18 years ago today, on Monday Night Raw from Detroit, Michigan, the NWO, that's Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan, defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock in a handicap match. This was the only time Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold were in a match together in a WWF ring. Wow, that's that's kind of insane. They had yep. a lot of overlap. I guess they weren't yep. really the same market. But uh, no, yeah, we we you never know. Saudi Arabia next year. <laughs> well, Steve Austin again. back in the day would not work with Hulk Hogan, uh, and for good reason because Hulk Hogan was. Him. Yeah, he was very well known for putting himself over and putting others down, making agreements that didn't happen. That's why the famous Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels match, which oh, I'm going to show so Carol. Good. Yep, I'm going to show her on the next Best and the Worst. I'm going to do a Hulk Hogan edition for WrestleMania. The Larry King um, interview is great too. Yeah, like that's why that's why that happened because Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels were supposed to win one match each, and Hulk's like, "Nah, actually, I'm just going to go over." And Shawn Michaels being a company man, the match had already been, you know, again, this is later in life, Shawn Michaels, not terrible early WWF Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Shawn Michaels said, just, you know what? He would just shoot, beat him. Yeah, exactly. He said, you know what? I'm just, I'll still do this, but I'm going to make you look as stupid as possible. I'm actually really excited to show that to Carol. It's going to be really fun. It's one of my favorite matches. Yeah, uh, also, same. that reminds me, uh, uh, Bret Hart was doing like an online interview thing like yesterday and somebody asked him, how do you feel about Hulk Hogan? He's like, oh, I, I hate him. He's a terrible person. Yeah. That's, that's all he had to say about him. <laughs> so most guys say that, you know, Bret Hart is known to be a company guy and not necessarily always easy to work with. You know, he wouldn't lose the belt in Canada. And I mean, come on, Bret, it's a TV show, but yeah, I, he's mostly a nice guy. And he hates Hulk Hogan. And then on the other side, you have someone like CM Punk, who is well known not to be a nice person, and uh, also hates Hulk Hogan. So I think the reality is basically everybody hates Hulk Hogan, except for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hulk Hogan loves Hulk Hogan. It's true. So let's let's move into AEW Dynamite. And as I mentioned to you before the show, I was I thought before I got home. Man, I'd sure like to watch Dynamite tonight, because as you guys know, even though this is posted on the 11th, we record the day before, so it's technically the 10th right now, spoiler, and uh, I'm like, man, I want to go home, and I want to watch Dynamite, but you know what? At least I recorded Raw, and I get to watch that. I'm just kidding. That's not what That's I thought. That's not I what thought, you thought. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, but I have to go home and watch Raw, and I know it sounds mean, and I'm sorry, but... I just I haven't super enjoyed it these last few weeks. Um, they were really on a tear. Raw was good for like six weeks in a row, and it was weird. And uh, I just ugh, we'll get to Raw in a minute. Let's go into Dynamite first, so you guys can listen to it. And then after you listen to it, if you're listening to it on how many times can I say that in ten seconds on the day of posting, you actually get to follow up with Dynamite tonight. It's got to be a good day. So Dynamite open with new AEW champion, John Moxley. I knew you right? would do it. You should have Did warned you? the listeners in their cars going to work. <laughs> that, uh, there's your morning coffee, folks. <laughs> You're awake now. 
So Moxley came out and he cut a promo. But what's important is Chris Jericho came out and interrupted him. And actually, let me say this first. Before Jericho and the Inner Circle came out, uh, John Moxley said that there's um, no one in AEW that will take the title from his cold, dead hands. He says that the title was never Chris Jericho's, and as a matter of fact, it's not even his, that it's the people's. The WWE Universe. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. The AEW... I don't know. Do they have? They don't have a nickname. I don't think. I think they're called fans, like normal yeah, people. AEW fans. Yeah, that makes and sense. And he also said that he loved pro wrestling, which I, I I haven't heard that on wrestling TV in a while. Yeah, it's nice. And so Jericho says that he doesn't. Jericho comes out. He says he doesn't need the belt to be Le Champion, and he's of course flanked by Sammy, Jake, and uh, Proud and Powerful. And he he the crowd is giving him heck, and he says. Look, you guys suck so much that you can't even get your chance in unison, and they couldn't. And it was really good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. So nothing really came of this. Like, they just started kind of ranting at each other. Uh, And Chris Jericho said that now that he no longer has the title, that they're putting the AEW roster on notice, and that they're going to tear everyone apart but they are that no longer are they a group of five good-looking guys as chris jericho said he said that now they're a hit squad and i thought this was pretty interesting he also said which was what was very very important is john tonight in the main event which will be sammy Guevara and chris jericho versus darby allen and john moxley if you walk out of the arena tonight I'm going to take 30 days off from Dynamite. Nay, I'm going to take 60 days off from Dynamite. It was great. That was that was super good because, I don't know, if a lot of people may not know this, but Fozzie's going on tour uh, starting in April. So 60 days off would give him some time to prepare for that. And actually, I think it would even work through the entirety of the tour. It's like a four-week tour. Um so that was like for the marks out there, the the smarks as you call them. That was great because I was like, "Oh, Jericho's losing now. Yeah, Sur- surely he's got to lose that bet." But, so uh, if this if this was WWE, he would absolutely lose. And I thought I really did because WWE has trained my brain not to think that wrestling has to be a certain way. And I'm like, "Well, I guess Jericho's losing tonight. I hate they're doing this because that kind of, you know, that kind of makes me know who's going to win." But guys. Just so you know, maybe that's not what happened. We move into SCU, all three members, and the debuting in a match, Colt Cabana versus the Dark Order. That is Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. First of all, Colt Cabana is amazing. It blows my mind that he hasn't had... He's ridiculous. Yeah. It blows my mind that he hasn't had... You know, a, a big-time contract. He was in NXT before NXT was really much of anything as Scotty Goldman. That was Ugh. a long time ago. Yeah. What an awful and, name for uh, Colt. Colt Cabana is such a cool name. I know. And he's just so good, and I love seeing him in this match. Um, Colt won. He got the pin on Alex Reynolds, I think. Well, the one coolest of the pin of all time. Yeah, so basically he did the, uh, what is it called, Philadelphia Skyline. No, Chicago Skyline, sorry. And uh, he's, he's holding him up on the top rope, and he just drops him. And then he falls back in the middle of the ring, and Colt Cabana does a Superman and lands his legs on top of Reynolds' legs and gets a one, two, three. It's really – I know I'm not explaining it really well, but if you guys haven't seen this, go back and watch it. They're gifts of just the pen. It was really good. The match as a whole was solid, though, right? Yeah, I thought so, and it honestly surprised me. I didn't expect the Dark Order to lose this one. Uh, I, I honestly expected Colt to eat the pin. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and after the match, uh, you know, Evil Uno is furious, and uh, he said that this is not how this is supposed to go. It's not how this is supposed to happen. The dark, uh, the Exalted One is coming, and he's going to be furious with them. Uh-huh. So, yeah, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll see the Exalted One here pretty soon. I also think it's funny because Evil Uno was like, no, no, yeah, it was like, no. It was like full-on Luke Skywalker falling down the shaft. Yeah, it so happy. And like, I get it. It was kind of, kind of corny and cheesy, but I liked it, man. I hey, thought it was just fun. He's a guy in a get mask and a leather vest. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? You got to deal with a little cheese every once in a while. 
Yeah. So we get Big Swole versus Leva Bates next. Britt Baker's on commentary. Britt Baker is an amazing heel. She is really good at this. What's really important is she brought Tony Schiavone another coffee cup, which to my knowledge you cannot purchase. If you can, someone please let me know because I want to buy one. You can? It's available, yeah. Pretty sure on uh, awshop.com. Yeah, after we're done here, I'm going to go take a look because I need that Tony Schiavone Starbucks cup. And so Big Swole versus Leva Bates was serviceable. Is that a good word to use? It was what? Serviceable. Uh, Depends what you're servicing. How about fine? uh, Is fine uh, better? I don't think it was fine. I think it was bad. Uh, I don't know how you come off poorly in a squash match. Um, Not on Big Swole's side. I thought Leva Bates did very bad in this match. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of her. Uh, I just, it was what, a minute match maybe? Uh, and she did maybe I think two it was moves. Closer to two. She it did wasn't two very moves. Long, I haven't though. seen. I don't know that I've actually paid attention to her wrestling before. Maybe this is how she's always been. I know she was in NXT. Uh, I really enjoy her character acting in the Librarian and a lot of her BTE segments. Um, but yeah, she just didn't look with it. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't get enough time in the ring. Maybe she's a little rusty. But it looked like something you see at a local show. It was pretty, uh, pretty botchy looking. It just didn't flow well together to me. I think this is another one of the cases where AEW is trying to get over their women's division, but they're not really giving them enough time. And So this is just, you know, I think they want us to care about Big Swole. I don't. And, like, I like Leva Bates because I saw her in the indies. I, you know, I know about Blue Pants and NXT. But I just, I don't know. I, I want to really like this women's division but again, you got to give it more than two or three minutes a show to make it something. And this isn't the way to do it. We've said it for months now. But it, I thought, I didn't think it was as bad as you thought it was. But I, I did, I, I didn't love it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I can understand why you didn't love it. It was bad. <laughs> Speaking of not bad, one of the best segments we've had on AEW yet Cody Rhodes. Comes out to the ring. The crowd loves him. We got to watch this on Fight TV, which was really interesting because he came out not in character and he's chatting with the crowd. He's asking them if they have a good time. And then when Dynamite comes back on the air, he's like all upset that MJF beat him. And I'm like, man, only Cody could just swap on a dime like that and no one would care. Now, again, the that hundreds of thousands of people that watched on TNT did not see that, but uh, us that, that watching on Fight TV and the people that, that were there live got to see it, and it was almost like pulling back the curtain to a wrestling show. Yeah, it was kind of it was, was kind of really weird because like when we went at the show in Jacksonville, um, they they talked to the audience and everything. But if you actually watch it back on Fight TV, they mute the mics whenever Justin's talking to the audience. Um, but they didn't do that with Cody; they kept the camera on him, which uh, it's fine, you know. It is kind of interesting to see see what happens. I don't really like it when they when they mute the mic when Justin Roberts comes in because I mean it's on commercial break. You know, you may as well get to see what's going on. I guess if you really want to see what's going on, you gotta gotta pay the money, buy the tickets, right? Go see him. But yeah, it, it was it was very interesting to see the uh, just character change immediately when the camera turned on. Yeah. So Cody's there, and he says MJF. I want you to come out and tell me that you beat me fair and square. And if you can do that to my face, I'll put this all behind me. But someone's music hit, and green lights were all flashing all through the crowd. And who could it be but Jake the Snake Roberts? The crowd pops huge, and they're chanting Jake the Snake. And then Jake comes in like the biggest baby face in the world. And then he says, I'm sorry to spoil the party, Cody, but I got sick of hearing you crying and complaining. But he used some more severe language, we'll say. And he says, I'm not here to praise you, Cody. I'm here to slay you. You see, I have a client, and the dark side will be coming to AEW. Now, before I move on, this was a great segment, and I'm not knocking it, but I'm tired of dark things in AEW. We've got the Dark Order. Yeah, I heard that, and I was like, 
kind of confused. Like, is he related to the Dark Order or what? Yeah. Like, come up with something different. Is he the Exalted One's manager? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> so he says he's gotten clean. He's worked hard for it. And uh, he says that he doesn't want to take the whole pie. He just wants to take Cody's share, which is a cool line. It was. He says he's going to be on the outside of the ring when his client shows up and destroys Cody. And by the way, he can bring that one-trick pony, Arn Anderson, with him if he wants. And he says... The best line of the night. I was always told to never turn your back on a man you fear or that you respect. And then he turns his back on Cody and chunks the microphone behind his back and gets out of the ring. And it was so, so good. It was just tremendous. It's fantastic. Jake has obviously always been a fantastic promo guy. But, I mean, he still got it. Um, I was actually telling Matthew before we even watched this episode, uh, on Talk is Jericho, a couple weeks back, Jake was interviewed on the uh, Jericho Cruise, and he tells some great stories. The dude's a fantastic storyteller, and uh, I was actually telling him that I would like to hear more out of him, so I'm really looking forward to see him cut some promos in AEW. And I'm hoping, I think it's probably going to be Lance Archer is going to be his uh, his apprentice or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, he's he's fantastic at cutting a promo, and I am all for the way that AEW is using the legends. Lance Archer makes sense because he was supposed to be on this show. He was not. They even advertised him. They they released on their Instagram, I believe. They said, ah, Lance Archer debut on Dynamite, and then it didn't happen. So it makes sense that it would be him. You know, part of me wants to want. Part of me thinks is Brody Lee, but is Brody Lee the leader of the Dark Order? I mean, there's again. I don't want to get into it too deep because we talk about it every episode. We had a whole round table about it, but can it can't be Matt Hardy at this point because it's so, so obvious. It has to be something else. So I, I don't know. Could be JR. <laughs> if it was JR, it would be the best and worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah. There's actually a, a little theory going around online that it's JR and they're going to change the name of the barbecue order. <laughs> Yeah, that would be uh, that would be very, very entertaining for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we get Pac versus Chuck Taylor next, and I I enjoyed this match. Uh, the short version is Pac wins, and he has defeated all three members of the best friends. Now uh, he actually he didn't make Chuck Taylor tap out, but he did. Uh, he knocked him out. Yeah, he knocked in the brutalizer, and he just kind of went unconscious, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the only and, problem. Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say the only problem I have with this match is the fact that Chuck Taylor got the awful waffle off, which is one of the best finishers in wrestling. Yeah, and Pat kicked out at two. I don't know. That's that's a they. I know that AEW is pretty bad about people kicking out of things, kicking out of finishers, and all wrestling is now. Um. But that's just a serious finisher for people to kick out of. I mean, did you see the awful waffle? You didn't. It didn't have a great cut of it. Um, I I didn't even notice to be honest with you. Yeah, he it, he did it like right against the turnbuckle, so you didn't have a good uh, good view of it. But YouTube Chuck Taylor awful waffle, and there's like compilations. It's one of the best finishers, in my opinion, in wrestling today. And uh, it kind of kind of took me out of it for Pack to kick out of that. Uh, I knew he was gonna win. And, uh, and I like I like Chuck Taylor. He didn't need to win this match, obviously. But yeah, yeah. that was that was my my main complaint with it. This match was really to set up future matches, though. So after the match, Trent comes in because uh, Pac wasn't letting go of Chuck Taylor. Trent slides in and gets in Pac's face, and then Orange Cassidy kind of casually pushes him to the side, and you get your stare down between Orange Cassidy and Pac and Pac. And uh, as that's happening, Pentagon and Phoenix come into the ring, and they start laying waste to Trent, and then the three of them attack Orange Cassidy. So Pac has Orange Cassidy, like, almost in his lap, right? Like, holding his head up as Orange Cassidy looks half dead. And then Pentagon is, like, biting his ear, and Phoenix is right in his face. They toss him to the ground, and Pac says, We are a new group known as Death Triangle. Nobody is safe, and AEW is on notice. Now, first of all, 
yes, more of these three guys, please. The Lucha Brothers are my favorite tag team in AEW, uh, probably my favorite tag team in the world. I very much like them. Please have them on TV more. Uh, Pack is absolutely incredible. Death Triangle, not the best name in my opinion, especially considering the we already Spanish have Spanish name circle. is so much better. Yeah, it was it was a lot better. Triangulo de la Muerte or something like that. They yeah. should go with that. Don't go by Death Triangle. We already have a circle. We don't need a triangle. Exactly. So it was a little weird, but whatever. This is going to set up some amazing six-man tag matches, and I'm really looking forward to it. Also, it wouldn't surprise me if they brought in six-man tag belts, which usually I wouldn't be okay with because most okay WWE doesn't care about regular tag. Why don't you bring in six tag? But the tag division is incredible, so why not make a six-man tag division? I'm okay with it. They would probably get some more people some jobs. That's fine. Uh, I do want to have a little nitpick and say that he basically said the same thing Chris Jericho said earlier. Chris Jericho said AEW was on notice, nobody is safe. Pac says Chris Jericho or AEW is on notice, nobody is safe. So again, real nitpicky, but it's the ending of the promo was the same. So we move on to Jake Hager versus QT Marshall. We all know what happens here. Jake Hager beats QT Marshall by uh, basically he QT Marshall passes out. Jake Hager's not really doing it for me. Do you? I don't know if you disagree or not. I I 100 agree. I I want to like Jake Hager outside of the ring. He's incredible. Just standing there, looking menacing, not saying anything. He can be funny. He can be serious. He can be menacing. He's doing a great job. Inside the ring, yeah. Jack Swagger was never my thing in WWE either. I always thought that, you know, he was super mediocre with his, like, terrible parody of, you know, that band. I can't remember the name of his theme song. And uh, I, I don't know. He just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I was um, so – Riley has, didn't, didn't really watch WWE back in The Undertaker's Prime. And uh, so we were sitting there the other day and uh, we were trying to find something to watch. And I was like, well, let's watch, let's watch an old Undertaker match. I say old, but something like 2010, you know, so he's still an, an older guy. But I was like, let's watch the 2010 Elimination Chamber uh, with Chris Jericho and uh, The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, Ted DiBiase Jr., which honestly, I saw him in the cage. I didn't even know who that was. And uh, I think John Morrison was also in there and uh, Kofi Kings. Nope. Kofi Kings was the other chamber. So I don't know. There were some people in there and uh, we were, we were watching and uh, the undertaker to see him wrestle. And this is well past his prime, right? He's 44 at this point And he's got these heavy hits. He's just a yeah. big dude and he's just a striker. And I was telling her, you know, you don't see that a lot in wrestling anymore. You don't see guys who just come in and just strike and it comes off well and it's believable i think that would be something perfect for jake hager to move into but he's doing a lot of uh submission holds i know he's ufc based or whatever but it's just not doing it for me it's boring it's boring to watch um if i wanted to watch fake ufc i would watch brock lesnar versus kane velasquez and nobody wanted to watch that uh that's kind of how he's coming off to me qt marshall is the better wrestler in that match and he's a jobber um Actually, the AEW has said that the viewers actually spiked during this segment. For some really? reason, I, I think it's more from QT Marshall than Jake Hager. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see Jake Hager take on more of a striking uh, old Undertaker moveset, you know, where he has the big throws and uh, he even did some some submission moves. Yeah, but mainly a, a heavy hitter kind of kind of moveset. I think that would be more entertaining and a lo- little bit better to watch. Uh, I never watched him as Jack Swagger. Was he pretty much using the same moveset then, or has it changed since he went in the UFC? So he was a amateur wrestler. So he used a lot of amateur wrestler style moves, a lot of throws, uh, kind of similar to Brock Lesnar, but not quite. He did use some strikes and some submissions, but and he did the ankle lock, of course, was his finisher. He hasn't changed drastically, no. He, he's, I mean, again, he's good at what he does. It's just not my thing. Yeah, he's good at what he does, but what he does is boring. <laughs> that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, because like you can have a good wrestling match, like Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak, and that was an amateur wrestling match 
predetermined, in my opinion. Right. That's, that's what you were watching. And that was very entertaining. And I don't see Jake Hager putting on that same level of a match. Okay. So. So it probably spiked because of the post-match beatdown. Because right. the inner circle were destroying QT Marshall. And then Dustin comes. And he's helping out. And they start attacking Dustin. Cody comes out. And they start attacking Cody. And then Matt Jackson comes out. And the numbers game is just too much. And then Adam Page comes out. And the crowd goes nuts. Adam Page now, let stumbles me tell you, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin, Cody, and Matt Jackson. Nick wasn't there or Kenny Omega. They book it to the ring. I mean, they are running. They're there to save their friend. But no. Adam Page strolls out tipsy. Gets in the ring holding a beer. Ortiz is staring at him with a chair. And he's like, hold on, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. He takes a sip of beer. As Ortiz, being a dope, turns around and starts attacking one of the other guys on the ground. And then <laughs> he, he puts his beer on the ring post. And he starts destroying the inner circle. He clears out everybody, even Jake Hager. He sees Matt. They say a few words to each other. Paige gives him the bird and then grabs his beer and leaves. And it was just so good. It was so good. It, it, this is my favorite segment of the night. You had, um, you had Paige. He stumbles in and he, and he sets his beer up. And I'm like, oh, so. And the inner circle is kind of like, wait, is he coming to help us? Is he coming to help the elite? Because, um, you know, he's had issues with Matt Jackson, Matt Jackson, obviously. So, you know, that's kind of why I thought they were kind of holding off there. And then, no, he just runs roughshod on every one of them. And uh, I thought it was great. Obviously, they've been building Paige as the strongest guy on the roster, really, with a lot of the stuff he's been doing. Um, I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, he, he leaves. He has, like, nine beers in his hand. He's, like, got four in one hand. Five in the other, one in his mouth is is great. It was, yeah, it was great. He, he just kind of shrugs as he's walking away. Yeah, too. it's going to be a great gif. And <laughs> uh, uh, I kind of a, a lot know a lot of people don't watch BTE, but they actually had a segment. Uh, at kind of well, that's not necessarily an, true. Hundreds of thousands of people, a couple hundred thousand people watch BTE. Not so. as many people listen to our podcast, though. Let's be that, real. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Let's let's be real. But yeah, so on, they had an addendum to it. Uh, Hangman comes in and he and Cody and, and Matt are there after the attack and he's like, Hey, he's drinking beer, obviously. Like, hey, yeah. I tried to leave the elite before. You guys bullied me into staying. I just came out there, saved all your butts. This is for the uh, what second, third time. And yeah. he was like, Matt, I kicked your butt. He's like, I'm done. I'm out of the elite. I've earned it. I want to go out on my own now. This is it. And so he gets through with that, and he's like, "Oh, and where's where's Nick?" And Matt's like, "Oh, you, well, you injured him. He's he's hurt." He's like, "Oh man, is is he gonna be all right?" He's like, "Ah, I don't know. I hope." I'm like, "Oh, tell him I hope he gets better." And then he he walks out, and not once did Matt Jackson ask about Kenny Omega, which he repeatedly stomped his injured shoulder. He ripped the tape off of. Matt Jackson and the Elite are the heels. Hangman is the face. That's it. That's all there is to it. This is not a segment of Grey. Matt Jackson is a bad guy. Hangman Page is a good guy. And that's my feelings on it. It's very interesting that I really did enjoy that segment because, you know, Hangman kind of, you'd think he's the heel, and then, like, he looked generally concerned for Nick. So it was just, like, like he doesn't want to be. He's over these guys, but his friend of so many years is hurt because of him. And I just... I thought it was a good because little, of little Matt, spot. not because of yeah. him. It's all because of it, Matt. It's all his fault. It Matt's should, the worst. That segment should be replayed on Dynamite next week. I think it's important that it is. It won't it be. Won't, it won't be. <laughs> but I, I feel. I feel like there's a lot of f words in it. I believe as well. <laughs> yeah, there might have been a couple. So we move on backstage with MJF. He's got Wardlow with him. And he says, "Hey, look, I'm glad I'm the final chapter of Cody's epic odyssey." I believe is the words that he said. And he says that the fans should pick someone new to follow. 
and uh, he he goes on his promo and he says, "I'm better than you," and you, whoo, man, Denver is it's hot in here. Who knew? And he takes off his suit jacket and he's wearing a shirt that says, "I pinned Cody," and he says, "Oh man, I, I just I can't believe I wore this shirt. I'm so embarrassed." I, this shirt is just so distracting and obnoxious, kind of like a neck tattoo. Oh and my then gosh. they both leave. That's it was so good. I was, was wondering so how good. long it would take MJF to mention the neck tattoo. Yeah. Not long, apparently. Yeah, about 25 seconds. <laughs> Not long at all. It was so <laughs> good. I bet Brandy wrote that uh, promo for it. <laughs> it was just so good. And then so we have your main event. And we have John Moxley and Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. And so Jericho and Guevara come out. Darby comes out. Moxley comes to the crowd and then gets attacked by three masked men. And Jim Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni is like an Excalibur. Who are these guys? And I'm like, well, it's Jake Hager and Proud and Powerful. Like one of them's giant and two of them are short. And you can hear Ortiz screaming because he's so loud and has such a distinct voice. They take off their mask and, of course, it's them. But something that was really interesting is that that whole evening, there were three other guys sitting in those seats with masks on. Just so, just, just for the live crowd that was sitting in that section. They didn't just have these three guys randomly show up in mask. They had three random dudes sit there in the crowd in mask, and I just thought it was really interesting. But they destroyed John Moxley. They... I do have a little bit of a complaint, and I think it's 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 a fair complaint. And I would bury WWE for this. So Darby Allen's out there, and I'm like, why is it Darby helping John? Well, Jim Ross does do a good job of saying, "Oh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara attacked Darby Allen and prevented him from helping John." But then, which probably actually happened, but then they switch back to the ring, and you can see Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho, and Darby Allen who's outside of the ring now, watching John Moxley getting destroyed on the big screen. And I'm like, my gosh, that makes Darby look like an idiot. Yeah, he's because, like, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I'm like, Whoa. Because, and I understand, like, maybe he looks smart because he doesn't want to do a three-on-one, but that's not Darby Allen's character. Darby is a fearless son of a gun. So as soon as he gets away from Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho, he should be going through the crowd to do his best to destroy these other three guys. So I... That that really bothered me. And there's not a lot about AEW that really gets under my skin. I hated that. But what followed up was good. So the three of them, Hager, Santana Ortiz, destroy Mox, right? And uh, they show, you know, Mox getting taken out on a stretcher. And then Darby Allen says, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. And he fights Jericho and Guevara in a uh, a handicap match that was really, really good. There was one spot where Darby was being worked over, and he was crawling. To, he finally got away from, I think it was Guevara. He's crawling to his corner, and there's no one there to tag. But Darby stands up, tags himself, and acts like he got the hot tag, and he's going on a tear, man. He's destroying Sammy and Chris Jericho, and it was just very good. That was a fantastic spot. It was an awesome spot. The ending... Darby Allen goes for the greatest suicide dive in the world into Chris Jericho, who hits him with a spinning back elbow, also known as a Judas effect. This sent Darby to the hospital, literally. He actually went to the hospital. I don't know. I haven't seen if it was a concussion or not. I'm sure it was because they yeah. slow-moed it, and that was a for real impact. He absolutely murdered him. Yeah, like if it wasn't Darby Allen, that that individual would probably be dead right now. Yeah. So it was, but the match was good. Chris Jericho rolled him back into the ring. They get the pin. I think Sammy actually was the one that got the final pin on him. Mox comes out. Like he's never going to give up. And then all five of them, of course, jump him because why not? And they basically did the shield powerbomb where everyone lifted him up onto Jake Hager and he powerbombed him onto a table off of the stage. It was a really cool visual and I liked it. Yeah, not only that, so, but afterwards they all flipped him off. Yeah, all five of them. It was great. They like they basically put their hands together like the shield does, but with their middle fingers in the air. 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch WWE during the Shield era. Uh, one of my friends was telling me that they did this, and I went went back and compared, and it's, it's pretty spot on. It's yeah, pretty great. Yeah. But what was so good is everyone expected Jericho to lose, but as it turns out, Chris Jericho set up his tour so he would have no shows on Tuesday or Wednesday. So Chris Jericho is not going to miss any Dynamites because of Fozzie, which he loves his band, and that means that he's really dedicated to the show. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. I think it's a good, a good show of uh, professionalism from Jericho, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of people, especially in his position, that are honestly the main reason the company's here, right. would be like, you know what, I'm taking two months off, figure it out. Yeah. But uh, no, he he decided to set some time away. I'm sure he'll miss a show or two. Yeah. Um, and he missed the show in 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 Jacksonville that we were at right. actually because of a New Japan thing, and that's yeah. okay. You know, you don't have to have your main guy on every show. Um, it's not okay that he missed our show, but that's besides right. the point. <laughs> uh, you don't have to have him on every show, but uh, the fact that he is willing to actually wrestle through that, I think, is pretty cool. And hopefully he doesn't make a fool of us and actually take two months off right? by, by saying this. But yeah, I, I think that's really cool for somebody nearly 50 years old going on tour and wrestling at the same time. It's going to be going to be a hard, hard couple weeks for him. But yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Oh, yeah. But he loves it, man. He, he has a passion for both of those things. So and doing his I podcast, I'm sure the whole time. Oh, yeah. He'll do that on the road. 100 percent. So grading this AEW Dynamite, how would you grade it? So I had a little bit of a problem with it. Um, I think my main problem is my expectations were too high. Um, everybody thought Matt Hardy would prov- – well, not everybody. A lot of people thought that Matt Hardy would debut on this episode because his contract is up. Uh, he, they had the part one of the finale for Free to Delete on his YouTube channel, and it had bucks on it. Uh, so it, it led to a lot of – not maybe not him debuting, but a lot of uh, – People speculating we'd further the story with the Exalted One, and that did not happen. Uh, really, this was kind of just a reset point after Revolution, which is okay. It just didn't make for a great show, in my opinion. We've had, don't get me wrong, we've had like four or five weeks of just fantastic shows. I mean, top-notch. And this was just kind of the, it was an average show. You know, it was a good wrestling show. I didn't have a whole lot of issues with it. Uh, it just didn't deliver on a whole lot. But um, you've got to have shows like this, you know. A lot of a regular TV show will have episodes that are filler, and this didn't even feel like filler. It was just a character development, I would say, episode. Um, yeah. But I will say I didn't enjoy it as much as I have previous weeks. So I think if I were to grade it on the AEW scale, I'd probably give it a B, but a good B. It, it okay. it's passable. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Jake the Snake was incredible. Oh yeah, um, yeah the. The MJF stuff was really, really good. Hangman stuff was really, really good. Um, None of the matches really delivered that much, though. Yeah, well, they were good on the the AEW scale. I mean, there was nothing that you're like, man, this just blows my mind. But remember, just, what, four days before this, we saw possibly the greatest tag team match of all time. So how, I mean, it's hard to live up to. So, I, I don't know. I enjoyed this show. I thought it was really good. They opened it with a segment and a long one, which is very WWE. But considering they very rarely do that, I thought it was great. I don't want them to do it every week. That would be friggin' miserable. But when it's something that's important, like someone winning a title, I, I'm all for it. And I thought it was good. Yeah. I think that um, I think that they did a wonderful job of blowing off MGF and Cody because... We all thought, man, there's no way that that's into that. But they pointed, and my beautiful wife pointed this out. They pointed both of these guys in a new direction, and they did a wonderful job of it. So yeah, they've got um, to do that until I after loved Blood it. and Guts, at least. Yeah. Speaking of Blood and Guts, they they're doing the Inner Circle versus the Elite, which includes Hangman Page, who retweeted that announcement with "Ah, for f's sake." Yeah, he's he's his Twitter's so good. Yeah. He uh, so, he actually had a he actually had a. Had a little funny comment today on his Instagram. Uh, he he made a tweet months ago when he first debuted in AEW. He said that everybody always says yeehaw, but nobody ever asks how ye. 
<laughs> and so he made an Instagram post today and he said yeehaw on there. And then somebody commented on there, haw ye. And he said, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. <laughs> it's just great. He's so good. AEW's wrestlers are, the majority of them are so good on, on Twitter and on their social media. That's one thing AEW has perfected. Not, even, not only their own social media, but they've probably got people helping out a lot of these guys on their social media because they're all great. Right. So yeah, right. I thought that was pretty interesting. It was it was really good. If I'm gonna grade it, I guess I'll say B plus. I don't know. I'd say I'd probably say B. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It was good. But they just reset everything. They need to get a new di- or they're moving things in a new direction. So it's fine. It, this this show needed to be what it was. So no complaints. It's good. So let's move on to Raw. And honestly, I kind of just want to play a speed round. Because I feel like it was kind of a nothing show. Would you be against that? Uh, no, this will be the first time I'm hearing about any of this. So go ahead. Okay. So the show opened up with Becky Lynch. She said Shayna Baszler uh, is, an, is a credible threat. She just destroyed the only woman that um, uh, that Becky Lynch took her entire career to beat. She's talking about Asuka. She called Shayna Baszler a black hole of charisma. Uh, she had some choice words. We moved on to Rey Mysterio versus Angel Garza. Rey Mysterio and Angel Garza was amazing. We have seen this before, but it was good. No, that's uh, got to be the first time this match ever happened. A Latino <laughs> versus a Latino on Raw? <laughs> Moving into that Fatal 4-Way, man. Uh, the short version is Rey Mysterio won. There you go. Uh, he won with a 619 into a bouncing elbow drop. Like he was on the outside... And he bounced off the top rope. It looked like he kind of slipped, and he elbow dropped onto Garza. Anyway, this match was really good, uh, as all of these matches are between four of two out of four of these guys. The other being Humberto and Andrade. Yeah, it's good. Uh, they show a recap of what happened earlier today, which is Kevin Owens arriving. Seth Rollins comes up. He's got popcorn in his hand. He offers Kevin some as AOP and Murphy stand behind him. Kevin said, no thanks. He picks up his suitcase, throws it at one of the guys in AOP, starts attacking Seth Rollins, and all four of them to get on Kevin Owens and beat him down. Uh, Rhea Ripley has a video package where she is in Raymond James Stadium, which is where WrestleMania is going to be held. She said that often she was uh, cited as a mini Charlotte, and she didn't want to do that, uh, which, interestingly, she, she kind of I can kind of see it, but she drastically changed who she was because she wants to be unique. Charlotte comes out. She has a microphone. She says that, you know, how dare you not want to be me? I think that, you know, you're just the next big thing. You're the new shiny toy. And to be the man, you got to beat the man. And that's me. Rhea Ripley shows up. And, gosh, just Charlotte's in the ring. And Rhea Ripley comes in. They talk back and forth a little bit. Rhea Ripley just punches her in the face. And then her music hits, she walks away as Charlotte like has her mouth wide open. Like, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she hit me. I'm like, what? What? Why? Why? Have you never been in a wrestling show before? Like, you've been doing this for years, Charlotte. I just don't understand. I thought it was dumb. Bobby Lashley beat Zack Ryder in two minutes. We don't care. Um, but Seth Rollins, and this was, this was interesting, so I'm going to talk a little deeper into this. Aleister Black. Is sitting in the back. And before he says anything, you hear. I'm like, oh gosh, someone's knocking at his door. So he stands up as Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy come into the ring. Yes, he's still my buddy. And excuse me, into the room. And Seth says, hey man, I'm not here to, you know, to cause any trouble. I just... Buddy told me about the matches he had with you, and honestly, I just want to say, I'm really impressed. And I just wanted to let you know that I want you on my side. I want you to join my outer circle. He didn't say that, but... Uh, so, basically, Buddy Murphy hands him a shirt. And, and Seth Rollins says, perhaps you'll join us. Alistair Black says, perhaps not, and tosses the shirt at Buddy Murphy, to which Seth Rollins says, no, 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 Alistair. I don't think you understand. Let me make myself perfectly clear. 
you're either with me or you're against me. And Alistair Black says, sounds like fighting words to me, so I accept. And I'm like, so is Alistair Black a coward? Did he just accept to join the outer circle because he's scared of Seth Rollins? Of course not. He accepted a match that wasn't really offered. Seth Rollins did a good job at selling this because he looked partially confused and a little upset. It was fun. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Eric Rowan comes is next. Uh, Drew McIntyre destroys Eric Rowan. He picks up the spider cage. He picks up the still steps. And would you like to tell us what happened? He smashed that spider into a million bits. One million little tiny bits. Four months of buildup. Yep. And it's done. Yep. I thought actually, I did watch this segment. I thought Jerry Lawler was pretty funny in this segment. Uh, he yeah. has his moments. He was like, oh, I guess I don't need this can of raid I brought. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good so r.i.p to eric rowan spider and that storyline that they did not have an ending for yep but at least they didn't just drop it at least they're like we're just gonna own this it was stupid and then they got rid of it yeah it could be like shelton benjamin's stare yeah or shelton benjamin for that matter <laughs> right so yeah i don't think eric rowan got any offense at all other than tripping drew mcintyre and pulling him out of the ring Drew McIntyre murdered Eric Rowan, so I think Eric Rowan's push is over. So, next we have, gosh, okay, so everyone knows how much I love Asuka, alright? I love Asuka. If you heard the Elimination Chamber review, you know how much I enjoyed her ranting inside her chamber. She's one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. I might even go as far to say she's one of the best wrestlers of all time. I think Asuka is a special talent. But before her match with Natalya and Liv Morgan, Kairi and Asuka cut an incredibly weird promo in Japanese. And usually their promos are very entertaining. This was not. They were like channeling anime girls. And Asuka goes, Asuka des! And Kairi goes, Kairi des! which is, I'm Asuka, and I'm Kairi. And then they started talking in Japanese, and then Kairi points at Asuka's hands and says, Mite, mite, which is, look, look. And she's ranting about how her uh, Asuka's hand is broken. Um, and yeah, I, I know a very, very small amount of Japanese. And so I just, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what is happening? It just, it wasn't good. It was all over the place. Asuka was very upset about the Elimination Chamber. Kyrie also upset about the Elimination Chamber. I just don't know. I don't know what this was. And it kept going. It didn't stop until, thankfully, Natalia's music randomly hit. Natalia and Liv Morgan come in, and they have a match that was way too long. It was not bad. It was just fine. For some reason, Ruby Riot comes out of the ring, or comes out to the ring. And then Sarah Logan decides, I guess I'm going to come too. They're standing next to each other, and then they randomly decide, let's just attack each other. And Liv Morgan's like, I'm I'm going to get in on this. So she jumps from the ring out onto the two of them. And then, of course, that means Natalia is alone, and Asuka kicks Natalia in the back of the head. One, two, three. The Kabuki Warriors win. Now, oh yeah, I did forget to mention that they caught out Alexa Bliss before the match, and Nikki Cross. There you go. They said she was a bad, bad girl, right? I don't. Yeah, no, mean girl. They called her a mean girl. Okay. I didn't know if they were infringing on Penelope Ford's uh, gimmick. <laughs> but Penelope Ford is the super bad girl now. That's right. That's right. So it's open waters. Go ahead and take it, Alexa mm. Bliss. So after that, again, something else I'm going to slow down and talk about. Because if it wasn't for Jake the Snake Roberts, this is the best promo of the week. Yes, even better than MJF. And that is a promo done by my hero, AJ Styles. AJ Styles is good at everything. I mean, my gosh, what can this man not do? And it's going to break my heart when he retires in about two years because he signed a three-year contract that he's done after that. He's so good at everything. So he's out there with Gallows and Anderson the crowd's chanting for The Undertaker, and he does normal patter, right? Like, he's like, yeah, how dare The Undertaker, you know, come in and attack me two weeks in a row. He stole a beautiful trophy from me. He cost me a match. But then, Styles said, 
I remember, Undertaker. I know you've seen better days. I remember when you lost to Roman Reigns, and I saw you take off your hat, gloves, and jacket and leave them in the ring, walk up the ramp, and basically descend into hell. I remember, Undertaker, when you lost to Brock Lesnar, and personally, I think that's when you should have given it up, because you're a shell of your former self. But you know what, Undertaker? Fans, let me tell you. The Undertaker doesn't care about you. Did you know The Undertaker's married? The Undertaker's married to Michelle McCool, which is something that never could have happened 15, 20 years ago, right? Like saying, oh, this weird zombie gimmick guy has a wife, and a wife that the WWE Universe knows. And he says, The Undertaker is married to Michelle McCool, who is one of the most manipulative people that any of you would have ever seen in your life. And the reason The Undertaker comes out is because she makes him. She makes him risk his body, this broken-down old man named Mark Calloway. See, if if they would have done this promo last week, I would have known his name during a game last week. <laughs> That's all I was thinking about. I was like, God, Callahan, Calloway. <laughs> it was one week too late. Dang it. <laughs> Thanks, AJ. Yeah, I did watch this he, promo. Fantastic. He says this broken-down old man named Mark Calloway is nothing. And Undertaker, your wife is going to run you into the ground, and I'm going to help her. I'm going to make sure that this year at WrestleMania, you die in the ring. And oh my gosh, it was so, so good. I mean, I, I, I just, AJ Styles, we're going we're gonna to get to, and I know I've been saying it for months, we're going to do a, a session of roundtables where we go through decades, starting in the 80s. We're going to talk about the greatest of all time. And let me tell you guys, his name's coming up. It's going to. Because he's never done anything that he hasn't been good at. As AJ told Aleister Black at Elimination Chamber, he's wrestler of the decade. Yeah. And he was. Did you hear him yell that out? It was pretty good. Yes, and I laughed so hard. It made me so happy. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He he really probably is the wrestler of this decade. Yeah. So Randy Orton comes. uh, Randy Orton is backstage, and Charlie goes up to him, and she's like, Hey, Randy, uh. Any thoughts on Edge returning tonight? And Randy Orton, who is... This is like the second or third time he's being shown. And he's just like in a smoky room for no reason. And he's just like stares off in the distance and smirks. And Charlie's like, okay. And then walks off. Uh, Riddick Moss destroys another incredibly talented wrestler in a 24-7 match that should not be an official match. Because this title is supposed to be a... You can defend an anytime title. I do not know what they're doing. Riddick Moss beat Cedric Alexander in two minutes. What the crap? Okay. Again, slowing down because yeah. there's something good that happened on this Raw. Also, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Big Swole, which is Cedric Alexander's wife, yep. was sure to comment on Twitter. Uh, she said something about, like, what's even going on? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she obviously, she obviously feels bad for her husband being relegated to jobber status in the WWE. So yep. maybe, maybe before too, too long, his contract will be up and he'll be able to go somewhere else. Yeah, I hope so, man. I really do. I mean, he's talented enough to be in AEW. I just don't want AEW to take people that are buried on Raw and then, you know, make them a big star in AEW because I think that would make AEW look second rate. That was the problem with TNA. Yeah. Uh, another thing, actually, Riddick Moss posted a GIF of, uh, man, who was it burying Undertaker Alive? With no context after that, so that was pretty funny. Uh, I think it's probably Kane. That's no, what happened before WrestleMania twenty. Kane. It was like uh, like Stone Cold or The Rock or something. Yeah, I don't remember. He's been buried like three or four times. Yeah, so it's one of the other times other than Kane. <laughs> yeah, so MVP is in the ring as we come back from commercial, and he's like, "Look, first of all, MVP is amazing on the mic." And he's like, I'm transitioning from in-ring competitor to absolute brainiac. And I'm building a stable around someone. And that man is Edge. And Ed, you can see on the Titantron, Edge is pulling up in his black SUV. Yeah, I don't think Edge is aware of MVP's plan. Nope, I don't think so either. And so Edge is coming to the ring and MVP keeps talking. And he's like, yeah, Edge and I have a relationship like that, man. Like, I'm going to make him a big star again. Edge's music hit. The crowd goes nuts. Edge gets in the ring. And uh, he steals the microphone from MVP, and he says, Randy Orton, grow a set and get to this ring right now. And then he shoves the microphone back in 
MVP's hand, and MVP's like, hey, man, what, what's what's wrong with you, man? Why are you, what, are you mentally off? Are you focusing on the wrong things? Like, come on, I can help you. And then Edge spears MVP out of his boots. Immediately, Randy Orton gets in the ring. He starts punching Edge. He goes for an RKO, but no. Edge reverses it and hits Randy with an RKO. He goes outside. He grabs a chair. He tosses it inside. He goes outside to grab a second one. His eyes are big and crazy the entire time. And as he gets in the ring with a second chair, Randy Orton, that viper that he is, slithers out. And so Edge, instead of chasing the man that attacked him, says, this is you, Randy, and hits not one, but two concertos, thanks to the fans chanting one more time, to MVP, who is basically dead now. Yeah, so, I feel like there's a writer somewhere that really doesn't like MVP or Matt Hardy. Right. And so, after Edge concertos MVP twice with Randy Orton, like, yeah, that can't feel good. Edge jumps out of the ring and starts chasing Orton, who runs away. And then, uh, we, we, it is announced that next week, AJ Styles will be wrestling The Undertaker. And we move on. I'm sorry. We'll have a contract signing with The Undertaker. I was about to say, next, next week, week, what? Yeah. <laughs> My bad. And then we get Alistair Black versus... the table on that one. Right. <laughs> Alistair Black versus Seth Rollins with Buddy Murphy. Uh, the short version is this match should have been good, but it wasn't. It was too short as... Uh, Alistair Black was getting the upper hand, and Buddy Murphy came in and attacked him because we always have to have a disqualification finish that includes Seth Rollins' team on a Monday Night Raw because it's not Raw if that doesn't happen. Yeah, when I saw this match was booked, I was like, man, who's going to win this one, Seth Rollins or Aleister Black? Neither one of them really needs to lose right now. And then I forgot, yeah. it's WWE. They'll just have a DQ. Yep, exactly. So, so after the match is over, all four of them, because AOP comes out, they're all bidding down Black. But who is to come out and help but the Viking Raiders? And they they start taking down the AOP, but you know what? Four of them is just too much. Then the Street Profits come out, and the numbers are finally even because Aleister Black is nowhere to be found. And Montez says, how about we restart this, make it a four-on-four match? Like, all right. Uh, Edge is shown backstage saying, where's Randy? And Charlie's like, I hate to be the person to tell you this, but he's gone. Edge is very angry. And Edge leaves. We come back. The match is in progress. And uh, it is your eight-man tag. This match did not need to happen. It was just one of those throwaway matches on Raw. But in the end, Kevin Owens, after Seth Rollins stomps Montez Ford and gets the three count, Kevin Owens comes in. He takes out Buddy Murphy. He takes out both members of AOP. But alas, that dirty Seth Rollins comes in and stomps Kevin Owens in the head. And you end the show with Seth Rollins stomping Kevin Owens three times. And Seth Rollins stands tall as Raw goes off the air. So did you watch this? Can you grade this? I didn't watch the entire episode, to be honest with you. I watched highlights, and I got about an hour into it. Um, Yeah, I don't have to watch it to know that I didn't enjoy it. So, (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, for the part I did enjoy... Probably give it like a C plus on the raw scale. Yeah, it's not. It definitely wasn't the worst we've seen even recently, but it the, wasn't the, up to the standard of the couple good ones that we had. The funny thing is, that's literally the grade that I'm going to give it. And honestly, I feel like maybe it's a little better than a C plus show, but there's no way it makes it into the B B range. So better than some of the C plus shows that we've watched before because the Edge and Randy Orton stuff was really good. AJ Styles is incredible. Uh, you know, Drew McIntyre is interesting, I guess. Uh, Kevin Owens is great. Garza and Mysterio were amazing, even though we've seen this match. I just... This didn't... This Raw could... You you could have not seen this Raw and watched next week, and you didn't miss anything. Yeah. It did a very poor job of moving things forward. It basically kept everything in a stalemate. Yeah, I think, talking about Drew McIntyre, I think one of the problems WWE has is you have people like Drew McIntyre, and right, he's got this feud going, or he's got this match coming up with, with Brock Lesnar. So, as far as WWE's concerned, he's not going to have a match until he faces Brock Lesnar. He could right. put on some very good matches, building himself up, 
leading to Brock Lesnar, but instead he has squash matches. Right. And, and I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they can't have him put on some good matches with some good wrestlers. They have a gigantic roster. There are people there that can put on good matches with Drew McIntyre, and instead they just have him do squash matches. And, I don't know, it doesn't build him up for me. It tears him down. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I understand that argument. So, yeah, the show was just fine. It was good. I think we got through that in about 20 minutes, which is honestly all the time it deserved. It just didn't, it didn't, like, I'm, I'm looking at it again, right? And I'm going through everything that happened, and there were no new storylines created. Nothing was really furthered other than AJ. AJ did a good job. And Edge and Orton, yeah, I guess, like, Edge had to show up, but I, I don't, I don't know. I just, it was fine. The show was fine. There. Done. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 90 of Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. My name is Matt. I'm here with my little brother, Micah. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. Follow us all on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, or Anywhere else you get your podcast, we very much appreciate you. Would you like to say anything, Micah? Goodbye. Goodbye, guys. Have a wonderful day. See ya. Tucky!